comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Mr. Stark. Yeah? Agent Coulson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from the uh, Strategic Homeland the... Intervention right, Enforcement yeah. Logistics Division. God, you need a new name for that. Yeah, I hear that a lot. That's being handled. That's what we do. Just call us sheep. Okay, so I guess we should start off with an apology. Um, this is John. I'm here with Russ. Hello, Russ. Welcome home. Thanks. Took me coming back from vacation. Get you guys straight. Yeah. Well, for real. So uh, Russ went away. He told us like eight months in advance. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ken and I and Brad had good intentions uh, of getting everything out as scheduled. Um, unfortunately, I guess... Uh, I had I ended up with a friend in need a couple of nights that we were supposed to record. Uh, then Brad ended up leaving town briefly uh, for a funeral of, of a, a common friend and a, and a podcasting friend of ours, which was great of him. Um, but that, you know, changed our scheduling a little bit. And, uh, you know, before you know it, now we're a couple of nights from the finale and we're backed up uh, a couple of shows and, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know what, you're doing this all for free and it's free entertainment. You do what you can. But, uh, you know, we're not in it to uh, to miss shows. <laughs> We've That's True. never been our style. Um, we do our best to, to get it out every week, whether it be a couple of days late sometimes or or whatever. So uh, we are starting off with an apology. Not Russ's fault at all. He's been uh, away and um, but we're back. So the plan, I guess, Russ, for the for the show tonight is to bang out nothing's personal, and what was what was the Rag last tag. one called? Ragtags, ragtags, ragtag, ragtag, Rag. singular one, one tag, one tag, one rag of the tag. So we're gonna do that all tonight. It'll be a big show. We'll get it out ASAP. This is Sunday night as we do this. We hope to have it out, you know, before the finale so you can get all caught up with your S.H.I.E.L.D. podcasting. Uh, and then the big finale will be up and we'll be right back on schedule for a big about six months off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to figure out something to do during the off time. I got a couple ideas of, of things that, that we could do to keep it interesting. Um, and I'm sure there'll be news sprinkling in as the Agent Carter thing kicks up. I I, I guessing we'll have more news and casting and sightings and all that cool stuff yeah and, and in regards to that 
you know, maybe people uh, will be wondering, you know, what we'll be doing for Agent Carter and, and some of the other stuff that's happening. Uh, we did have something special planned that I think we mentioned last recording for the finale. Now that we've sort of backed ourselves up and we're kind of doing this last minute, I don't know that that will go off as planned. But we will have news next week uh, in regards to the future of the S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. So I'm making yes. an announcement that there will be an announcement. <laughs> in, in very typical style these days of uh, trailer for the trailer, we're, we're following that lead. Yes, it's a teaser announcement for the full announcement uh, next yes. week, which is really in a couple of days. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... Without further ado, uh, oh, and we should mention that we're hoping to be joined by Ken Morgan uh, at some point in the evening. Uh, we just needed to get this one started uh, to make sure that we had no more hitches. And uh, when Ken joins us, we will let you know. So news. News. It's big news. Uh, I guess in the I've been, like John said, I've been on vacation, so I don't recall when this news actually broke. I can't remember. Was it Friday or maybe Thursday of last week? Right right that in it, that area, sure. Yeah, that it broke that Agent Carter is getting a full, not a full season, but a it's going straight to a half-season order. So there's no pilot test or anything like that. I think we talked about this before. I think they, they were looking at the one shot as kind of the, the pilot test. Uh, that was on the uh, Iron Man 3 DV, uh, DVD Blu-ray as as the pilot test. So it's going to get a full a, a full half season order if that if that makes sense. Um, th there's no announcement on when and where and how and all that kind of stuff. You know, we don't know if it's going to like we talked about before take place during a hiatus. If they're going to run concurrent, um, if it's going to be some sort of like maybe summer series or you know who knows what uh, at this point. But it does have an official uh, announcement, uh, official art, and um, there was even a uh, a blurb on what the show is going to be about. And I'm going to bring that up right here. Uh, and the the promo it, it, that we have says um, Marvel's Agent Carter. So they're sticking with the whole Marvels thing, uh, starring Captain America's Haley Atwell. Follows the story of Peggy Carter. It's 1946, and peace has dealt Peggy Carter a serious blow as she finds herself marginalized when the men return home from fighting abroad. Working for the covert SSR, the Strategic Scientific Reserve, which we saw, of course, in Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, Peggy must balance doing administrative work and going on secret missions for Howard Stark, all while trying to navigate life as a single woman in America. In the wake of lo losing the love of her life, Steve Rogers. Inspired by the feature films Captain America the First Avenger and Captain America the Winter Soldier, along with the short Marvel one-shot Agent Carter. Uh, so at this point, the only one cast for certain is Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter, which is really awesome that uh, they were able to secure her for the series. I know she was uh, all gung-ho about doing it uh, previously, so that's good news. Uh, another good piece of good news is Christopher Marcus and Steve McFeely are listed as some of the executive producers uh, of the show, which, of course, those are the head writers on Captain America the First Avenger and Captain America the Winter Soldier. So to me, that is, like, super good news that those guys are going to be involved in this uh, in this show. Yeah, and I like the Marvel tag on everything. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the common fan may not, Agent Carter may not ring a bell to the common exactly. fan. You know, even on Netflix, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to hear if it was Marvel's Iron Fist 
you know, or else maybe you sure. wouldn't know that Iron Fist was, in, you know, included in the universe. Daredevil, I think, maybe has had more exposure over the years, but still, to have that Marvel tag on it, at least it, uh, you know, to again, we're just trying to get those casual Avengers movie fans on board with all this great stuff, and that's a good way to make sure they are aware. Yeah, especially with TV, you know, because shows are named all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I'm sure there's been TV shows that are named, you know, non-coincidentally after Marvel characters or Marvel, you know, things. You know, the the old Avengers TV show uh, from the 60s is, you know, c- kind of classic example, which I think is, is where that tag originally came from for, for the Avengers movie. But, but yeah, so that's, that's really good news. Uh, being that they were so prominent about Howard Stark in there, I wonder if we're going to get Dominic Cooper to reprise his role as uh, Howard Stark, which I think that again that would be another good get if they if they can nail him in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think even a a cameo maybe in the pilot, and then just sort of her orders are coming down from Mister Stark. You know, it wouldn't be necessary yeah. really to have him involved every show. I mean, if you could, that would be great, but I don't think it's necessary. Right, and it's interesting the take they're gonna you know this whole. She's kind of, you know, working as a secretary by day, but, you know, off the books, she's this, you know, crazy covert super spy. So I, th- I think that's that'll that'll be an interesting twist on on the show. I wonder. I should probably save it for our um, for our talk about nothing personal, but um, on the episode, nothing personal, they probably mentioned Nazis more than even in the Captain America movie with yeah. the Red Skull and Hydra being introduced. So yes. I wonder what the Agent Carter show will be like in that regard. Are they going to sort of embrace the Nazi roots of it? Or, uh, you know, it might not even have too much Hydra at all, but I would imagine there would be some. Yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting because... I would guess more than likely we're going to probably see, you know, where these hooks are being planted unbeknownst to her and anybody else, which I think, which I think would be really cool to, to see how, you know, that they're knowing what we know now. I think it's it's better that they waited on this show until after the Winter Soldier and after the reveal in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. than trying to do this beforehand, because now they could go full bore with this whole Hydra thing, which I think is really awesome. Uh, so other, uh, there's a few other bits of news that I, that we want to cover that's not really Marvel related, but again we talk about uh, living in interesting times for sure. And so, uh, you know, all the upfronts are coming out in this week, last week. We're getting a lot of uh, promos and stuff like that. So we've gotten a trailer for the new Gotham TV show that's on Fox, uh, which which looks pretty interesting. We've gotten a, I'll call it like an extended trailer for Constantine, which is based on the DC Vertigo comic uh, Hellblazer. It looks like the CW, there's a promo image out for iZombie, the Chris Roberson, Mike Allred comic from Vertigo also, uh, that looks like it's going to get a green a green light. We've got, of course, Flash coming out next season. Arrow is back next season. Now we've got Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I guess we should have led with this news, but it's official. Uh, Agents, of, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been renewed for, for season two, which kind of, Surprise to no one kind of thing, uh, but still good to know that it's actually been done. Uh, we've got this Agent Carter thing showing up at somewhere at some point. Um, and sometime in 2015, we've been promised, I'm guessing, at least one or two of the Netflix originals, uh, starting with Daredevil. 
I'm guessing they're probably not going to dump all four or five of these out at once. I'm I'm guessing they're we'll get all episodes of an individual series dumped out there, but my guess is they'll probably spread the series out at least, you know, three, four, maybe six months apart. So just the sheer volume of comic book TV related material that's coming to broadcast television is pretty staggering. Yeah, it's it's very exciting. Uh, it's sort of, to me, it, it's sort of like this evolution, you know, like we were stagnant on, on comic book movies for, for a while. There were some failures in there. Um, and then all of a sudden the boom and the Marvel Universe hit, and now we're getting all the DC news. And then for a while it seemed like every movie coming out was a comic book property. And now it's sort of spilled over into TV, um, which is very cool. And And I just want to say that, I'm one of the few people that probably really liked the uh, Gotham trailer, but uh, Donald Logue is awesome. Yes. <laughs> and, and the work on, uh, I guess, Sons of Anarchy and Vikings is where I'm most familiar with his stuff, and uh, I'm just really excited to have him on board for, for Gotham. And is he Bullock? Bullock, yeah. yeah so that, that seems like a, a good fit for him. Yeah, the grizzled kind of crabby tough detective for sure and arrow is is coming to a close here pretty quick there's one more ep- episode left and let me tell you I, you know i think both marvel's agents of shield and arrow have really ratcheted up to you know kind of get into the finish line for this season they've both just been uh been pretty pretty spectacular uh, the last few weeks and arrow like i said not to go too far down that road but arrow has just been been fantastic i mean um it's 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 these last few episodes have been something really special um which i think we'll have more news about that uh on the network coming out soon as our plans for uh for next year kick into gear sweet but uh that's really about all the news that we have you know there's not like i said i I think over the coming months we'll have more uh and that's about it so I guess without further ado, we'll get into nothing personal. Yeah, let's do it. And and I guess um, I guess the open of nothing personal was the preview that we all got a sneak peek at a little bit earlier. Yeah, uh, which was really cool. The uh, the opening scene with uh, Colby Smulders returning as Maria Hill was a lot of fun. Yeah, and the fact that she was talking on the phone to Pepper Potts, I thought was just kind of again just one of those cool touches that the show does you know, subtle, subtly, uh, you know, just to, again, to keep those connections, you know, going. And again, spoiler for Captain America, the Winter Soldier, we know that uh, Maria Hill applied to go work at Stark, uh, Stark Industries at the end of, of the Winter Soldier. So it's so cool that I get things confused in terms <laughs> of what happened on the show or in the movie. Like, that's actually pretty cool <laughs> that they run so concurrent and weave in and out of each other yeah and i guess that we get the uh the man thing easter egg quickly here yes yeah so that was funny how she comes out of this meeting with congress and is just going on about how she has no problem meeting with anybody else it's just she says congress is like kindergarten you know where is this fridge what is in this fridge what's a man thing i just i just thought that was really funny uh how she's able to throw that in there And then we get that bit. It reminded me a lot of uh, the the first Thor movie when she's walking down the street 
and she's basically pointing out everybody that's following her. She's like, yeah, I got a fake yuppie that's not even looking at her phone. I've got the uh, ho- uh, Im- imposter homeless person that's you know slightly offensive, um, and this this hipster that's following right behind me. Uh, and as she turns around, he's, he disappears, and then the lady across the street is knocked unconscious. Um, and that's when that and that's when we actually find out she's talking to Pepper. She says, "Pepper, I gotta let you go." Yeah. Um, and of, and of course, we find out that it's Melinda May who's tracked her down uh, in D.C. And they have this this exchange back and forth. One of the things I don't know if you caught this. I didn't catch it quite the first time I saw it, but I definitely caught it the second time. And there and there's another mention of this later in the show, but um, Hill makes mention of the fact that. Stark has privatized global security. Yeah. Um, so it, it looks like... So this is going to be interesting, because I wonder if this ties into the Avengers. Uh, because we, obviously at this point we know there's no shield. We've seen some promo images of Captain America's new costume, which is very much like his um, Winter, uh, Winter Soldier costume, except that it's red, white, and blue instead of just the all-blue um, so it's not that tight, uh, you know, fitting uniform that he wore in in the first Avengers movie. And we noticed that on the shoulder, it has the A for the Avengers symbol on it. So I'm I'm curious if Stark is kind of taking this um, privatized security model as like the you know the Avengers, you know, as a franchise maybe you know that that there are you know it's basically the new Shield or some kind of like Blackwater. Right. You know, alternative. And maybe that puts them all living in Stark Tower, which is something we've seen before in the comics. And right. Jarvis and, you know, spoiler, possibly where that could end up. Yeah, yeah. Jarvis, for anyone, you know, that's the voice that you always hear as the Iron Man armor in the Iron Man movies that is sort of like also his virtual butler in, in the tower. My favorite part of that opening, though, is uh, when the cop, when the agents finally do show up, and uh, and she says, "If you know, if, if you were my agents, I'd fire you all," or, <laughs> yeah. or something like yeah. that, because it took them however long it took them to get there. Yeah, like three and a half minutes, and she yeah. was really just she was like really disappointed that it took that long for them to to hone in on her after the after those guys had been uh, taken up. But again, it just shows the awesomeness of Maria Hill that she, she counted down time from when those guys were taken down that when may took them down until they showed up. And it's cool that, uh, like this is the Maria Hill that we know. Yes. And she, maybe she, they missed the mark a little bit in the movie versions of Maria Hill so far. She didn't seem, you know, she kind of took a back seat to fury in the, in the movies. And this is like the, you know, I mean, I don't know if we need. We could say bitch. I think we could say bitch, right? She's sure. she's a bitch. Did. I mean, that's that's her role in the comics, you know. So, it came out a little bit here. Yeah, which I I definitely appreciate the more assertive Maria Hill than just kind of the second fiddle Maria Hill that we like you said we've seen in the movie so far. Um, I'm I'm really hoping that she could take a larger role in the show, uh, in season two, depending on how that would play out. Being that her commitment to hire met your mother is over and that show's done so you know unless a lot of movie roles come calling i'm hoping that that we'll see more of her down the road now is this where forgive me i'll i'll be saying i don't remember several times in the next uh hour um <laughs> is this where okay so maria hill says fury's dead may doesn't buy it 
right off the right. bat, right? And and then somewhere in here we get a line that uh, the you know the the um, the the evidence was buried with Coulson. Yes. And yes. and okay, so I guess are we supposed to? So now Maria Hill ends up going into Coulson's grave to dig out Melinda. Uh, Right, I'm sorry. She she goes to dig out this evidence. So was yes. that like a clue, or like were we supposed to infer that she was directly telling her without you know really I, saying it that it was in his grave, or I I took it as well. It was kind of interesting at first because May says, you know, she's concerned as well because it could have been Pierce that was put in that was giving Fury the orders and put him in charge of Tahiti. And that's her immediate concern is if it was Pierce that would, that had done this, then Colson could be a ticking time bomb and, you know, just, you know, somebody waiting to throw a switch for him to, to go off. Um, but then when Hill, I took it as Hill just basically repeated what Fury said that she didn't have knowledge that they actually buried that thing in his real grave, that she was just spitting back out what Fury tells her. And she just knows Fury is, you know, always speaking in riddles and has all these crazy secret, you know, hideouts and he trusts no one and right. and everything else. So, I yeah, I didn't take it as Maria knew where it was, but that, like I said, she was just May kinda, picked up on it. Right. Okay. Right. And May knowing, you know, how, you know, Fury is and, you know, just, just his, um, I, I, I guess his uh, penchant for the theatrical maybe, uh, that, that she actually took it to heart, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so when we get back to the to the main group, Fitz has really taken this, uh, you know, everything pretty pretty hard. Like, you know, just the fact that Shield is broken up, and at this point, he doesn't know that, um, that Fitz, like right off the bat, Fitz doesn't know that that Ward's the traitor, um. But still, you can tell he's kind of he's kind of bummed about it. And Trip was even a little harsh with May, and just says, you know, you know, when they saw her leaving, he just says, well, you know, we don't need her her sorry ass. And everybody else is a little upset with that. But Trip is kind of like a straight shooter, you know. He's 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 a soldier, and he's ready to to do what needs to be done. And you know, he doesn't have time for nonsense, just like Coulson doesn't. So it's funny how uh, the show. In, in a lot of people's eyes, and, and, and maybe I agree to some extent, it spun its wheels for a long time trying to get us to know these characters, and yet they've slipped Trip in, <laughs> and he totally yeah. belongs, and it was almost seamless, and he's been on screen for like one-third of the episodes, not even of the rest of the cast. Yeah. So it's almost like they learned something, you know, like... We can speed yeah. up this process and it'll be okay. Yeah. And having him like the legacy, you know, we talked about this before, being the grandson of one of the Howling Commandos, uh, I, I thought was was a nice little callback. I mean, maybe a little bit cheesy, but but still, again, if you're tie if you're trying to tie all this stuff together, you're trying to tie the movies, you're trying to tie the T V show to you know, to the movies and vice versa, then having him be that legacy makes sense. I mean it, it you know, it, it like I said, it at times it comes across as a little cheesy, especially when he pulls out his suitcase of cool gadgets. It it's like, okay, I you know, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But it, yeah. but it's okay. And um I mean I guess we skip around on, on this show anyway. Uh so when they when they find the message and, and now it gets out that uh it is Ward and 
I guess Simmons finds the body and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't really – I buy Fitz bugging out that there could be traitors early in the episode, but I really don't buy him bugging out that it's Ward so much. I, I don't know. Maybe that's a – they never really showed that Fitz and Ward had any, like, real relationship. I mean – I guess, you know, of course, they're teammates and a lot of stuff happens off screen. And But there were never, I don't know, maybe they could have added in some moments. You know, it's the only moment that they've shown us between Fitz and Ward is when we knew Ward was lying and was telling Fitz he better tell Simmons that he loves her or something. Remember that? Like maybe right. two shows ago. Like they never had that moment earlier or a number of times before to make you feel like, oh, man, I can see Fitz really being bugged out about this. Well, I mean, there was the episode, remember, where the two of them went on the mission when they had the sandwich and... Oh, that's you know, true. They kind of had to rely on each other. So they they had quite a bit of bonding time then. And you know what? You're, you're, you're right. And I think that's an example of us forgetting stuff because there was 18,000 breaks. And yeah. Yeah, that's a good example. I, I stand corrected. I don't remember. <laughs> Plausible deniability. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I... I you, it's just funny how Fitz just really is taking it personal. He he just doesn't want to believe that Ward is a traitor. You know, he wants to believe that he got deathlocked. You know, that he has this chip in his head that's forcing him to do it, and that he's not an evil person. And you know, I don't know if part of it is because that would prove that he's he himself is like a really bad judge of character for him to, you know, being such a scientific and an analytical person. If if he didn't catch the fact that that. Ward was basically full of crap the whole time and just putting on an act. You know, maybe he's just more upset with himself than he is, you know, he's trying to rationalize this through instead of just uh, accepting it. Um, but he's really, I mean, DeCasker does a pretty good job because he's really kind of taking it to heart and really bummed out about it and, and just trying to find any way possible to, to, to not believe that this is what's going on. And as this episode goes, and then, of course, we see in the next episode, it, it becomes more apparent, you know, how Fitz is feeling. Can I make a prediction? Absolutely. I think um, I think Simmons is doomed. Really? You think? Yeah, because they made it seem like it was going to be a priority that Fitz told her how he felt, and he has not. And I think if she gets killed, he will have this sort of spiral downward and you can do some things with the character, changing him from kind of like the happy-go-lucky, maybe even comic relief early on. Um, right. Remember the opening and closing doors in the uh, sure. in the hub, you know, like yeah. I, I think it's a move they could make that he lost, you know, he can't. He lost his friend Ward, who he trusted. He didn't get to tell Simmons how he felt before that ended. I could just see, I could see it going that way. It would definitely, again, we talked about it with with Ward or with one of the other characters. If, if they happen to be Hydra agents, that it would definitely make the show more interesting to kind of add that dy dynamic to it. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, as funny as I was rewatching both these episodes before we recorded tonight, there's something about Fitz and Simmons that it almost makes me wonder if maybe one of them is really a sleeper. And that and that that could totally play into what you're saying, that maybe Simmons is, isn't is who she says she is. Because Fitz even has that spot where he says... I need you to tell me you're not Hydra. Right. 
and she's like, you know, of course I'm I'm not. But he's he basically is like, well, if if you say it out loud, I'll I'll believe it. And and of course she says it, but it just makes me wonder if if they made such a it's like they made such a big deal about it that maybe there's a reason, you know, the, a bait and switch coming or something like that. Yeah, yeah, could be. But again, I I, I think your theory would make the show a lot more interesting for for sure. Again, anytime you could take characters and kind of turn them on their head or do something, you know, dramatic with them, I think I think it it usually benefits the show. And I think the writing in you know, one of the areas I think the show has improved on quite a bit from where it started is the writing. I think we've definitely seen these characters that we had some complaints about early on and about stiffness or about dialogue or whatever. I th- I think that's that's definitely taken a step up uh since since the beginning. One of the other things I noticed uh, when they're in the bunker and they're kind of hunkering down because uh, uh, the Colonel uh, Colonel Talbot's men are coming and the voice of, of the facility. And we've heard this before, but I, I want to say that's the same voice as Fury's car from the Winter Soldier. I could be wrong, but after I heard that and then saw the movie, I was like, I think that's the same voice. That would, that would be cool. I mean, anything that, you know, anything that strings all of this together, I think, is fantastic. Yeah, and that that clip is online from the bit with Fury in the car from the trailer and stuff, and I know they've, they've had that snippet either in the commercials or whatever, and I keep meaning to go, like, track down YouTube or something like that and listen to it to see if that if that's the case, and I just I just haven't had a chance. But I, I think that's the same voice, um, but, but I could be wrong. We get there's some nice comic relief in this one too. You know the whole bit with the door, you know where Coulson says, "Oh, it'll take some significant ordinance to get through this door," and then the computer voice says, "The door is, you know, the door is unlocked or activated or right. whatever," and then it opens up, which I thought was was pretty funny. Uh, and then when he realizes this Talbot out there, he's like, he's like, "Are you gonna shoot me? Because if you're gonna shoot me, I'm not coming out." <laughs> yeah, yeah, Talbot, Colonel Mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, too funny. He's almost like a caricature. He, he, like he comes straight out of the, the Lee Kirby era of uh, comics. Yeah. And then, of course, Hill shows up and says that, you know, she's the one that uh, that gave him the, the court, you know, the, the location to the base and all that kind of stuff. And, of course, they have their... Uh, their their little exchange, you know, Colson and and Hill, you know, Hill basically is trying to convince Colson that the jig is up, right? You know that that it's it's done. There is no more shield. I've gone private sector. You know, just give them something. Tell Talbot anything that hey, he has actionable intelligence, and they'll probably just let you all go and you know go on your merry way. And Colson's not having any of it, and is actually able to convince Hill to kind of go to their side. You know that that something has to be done that they can't that you know they can't let this go that if if Garrett is is able to let loose with all these super soldiers then it's it's not it's a much bigger problem now there's a little exchange in here just at the part you're talking about where I guess Hill is trying to say hey Tony Stark would love to have you on board except we'd have to of course he thinks you're dead I think was the line or maybe even Coulson said he might he thinks I'm dead or whatever yeah, he says he says to Hill, tell tell Stark I said Hill. He goes, no, I guess you can't. He he still thinks I'm dead. See, for some reason, and I could be completely wrong, but that doesn't ring true to me. 
that somebody like Tony Stark wouldn't know only because Coulson hasn't exactly been sneaking around this season. I mean, right. they're in public. They go on missions. He talks to plenty of people that aren't in the S.H.I.E.L.D. circle. You know, how would Tony Stark not know through all of his intelligence and, you know, mastery of everything that is the Internet and AI? And how would he not know that Coulson is alive? Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I would think at this point, Tony, if nobody else, Tony would know that, that he's still alive. And and like I said, they really haven't been hiding him. They've, right. They made me feel more like he, Coulson, couldn't know that he died. But everybody else knew that it happened. <laughs> that's right. That's how I felt. Right. And it's it, it, just like Captain America. I mean, Steve has to know he's alive. I mean, as a active level 8 agent, he, I would assume at that point he would know that Coulson's back and running a team somewhere. Right. So, yeah, no, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. So one thing that I, I just wanted to bring up. Uh, so Sky goes back to the diner with Ward. Yes. Um, the diner that uh, she was in the pilot with uh, with Mike Peterson. And if you go back to our show <laughs> on the pilot – uh, I think it was Brad and I at the, at that point. I'm not Russ. You might have been on the show as well. I'm not. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> um, she lines up things in threes. <laughs> yeah, we, we noticed it in the pilot. She lined up her three memory cards in a row. Then in the diner, she lined up her three sugar packets or sugar uh, substitute packets, whatever they may be. And in this episode in the diner, she did it again. I'm not I'm not saying that it means anything in the scope of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. television show, but I'm wondering, like, if she has, like, I don't know, three brothers and sisters, and she does that, you know, the uh, Chloe Bennett does that to, like, sort of honor them or say hi to them. You know, I don't know if it has any other meaning to anybody, but now three specific times they have lined up small square items in a row. Yeah, it, it's funny. Uh, to sidetrack a little bit. Coming up in, in Houston at the Comic Palooza convention, which I, I've been to every year they've had it. I, I live not too far from Houston. I, I you know, live there as a as a teenager and as an, uh, as an adult. Um a lot of the cast is showing up there, but Chloe Bennett is not one. Um, and that was one of the things if, if, if they are, and they haven't listed if they're doing a panel or anything for that con yet, but if they were, that was one of the things I was going to get up and ask a question and ask her about if that's something that was in the script or if that was something she put in. But it's, it looks like it's going to be Ming Da Wen, Clark Gregg, Brett Dalton, uh, J. August Richards, and, um, Elizabeth Henstridge are all going to be there. So nice. Um, yeah, I am going to see if I can pull any string that I have to pull um, and rattle any cage that I can rattle to see if maybe I could get some sort of uh, interview. But at worst case, if they do a panel, I'll be sure to get there uh, and, and record that. So that might be one of the cool things we have during the hiatus. But no no promises, but, but uh, I will do my best. Very cool. So you're, you're talking about uh, Sky in the Diner and her and Ward. Um, and I, I really, again, we, you know, we, we talk about this every week, but there's a lot of criticism of Sky. There's a lot of criticism of Ward. 
and I think again this ish this episode this issue this episode really did a good job of trying to show that these characters both have evolved and I think the next one we, we see more evolution with Ward but in this one I I, I really saw uh, Sky and Chloe Bennett as an actress growing with this show I think it's finally and and granted you could you could gripe that it it took too long or you know finally or whatever but I really buy her as a character way more than I did in the pilot uh, and early on. And, uh, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't know if it's the writing. I don't know if her, if, if she as an actress is just getting more comfortable, but a lot of the early criticism of, of her, I, I just don't see as being quite so valid anymore as we get towards the end of this first season. I, re- I really think she's coming into her own and I really think she's doing a, a pretty good job of selling her character and selling, you know, what she was trying to do by, by playing Ward. And then in the end, when she kind of, you know, really feels betrayed by him and, um, you know, confronts him head on. I just, I thought those exchanges were really well done. And I thought she did a, she did a pretty fantastic job. Yeah, I agree. I I think for the, for the two of them, uh, you know, knowing, knowing now what they were setting up, um, it's, it's coming across, you know, much, uh, much better now. And again, you mentioned early on about the whole Nazi thing. And, um, you know, after they make their escape from from the diner, you know, she's trying to stall for time. And, uh, you know, she ends up calling the cops and gets away. And then Peterson grabs her and then they get back on the, on the ship. And, you know, she she calls him a Nazi to his face. And he says, no, I'm you know, I'm not a Nazi. And she really goes into detail about, you know, red, you know, the Red Skull founder of Hydra was a big fat freaking Nazi, you know, just just really hits that home and I think there was a little bit of criticism in Captain America the first Avenger that they kind of whitewashed that a little bit as far as like it not being Nazis it being Hydra uh, and they did make the connection that's for sure but I like the fact in this that they they exact they went back to that and just kind of reiterated the fact that you know even though there's all this talk of Hydra that Hydra had its roots you know as a part of you know being the, the Nazi party so I, I thought that was that was kind of a, a nice little touch. Yeah. I mean, for anybody that, that might not know, uh, Hydra in the comic books are green and yellow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was in Captain America that they sort of made them red and black to, to bl- you know, to blend and to sort of blur the line between Hydra and Nazis and the Nazi party, you know, just to, again, whitewash it a little bit, tone it down uh, for the family audience, I guess. And Sure. Uh, then it was, it, we got this interesting thing where, you know, Garrett's lost his patience and he has Deathlock shoot Garrett with something that's supposedly going to, going to kill him. And at that point, uh, Sky gives up the keys to the, to the kingdom, so to speak on how to, you know, unlock and decrypt the drive, um, to save Ward's life. And I was a little torn by that at first. Cause I was like, well, you know, she, Given what he, who he is, and what he is, and what she, what he did, uh, you know, that was a little. I, I wasn't quite buying it at first, but I guess they're again they're trying to make the point of who Sky is as a person and and what her character is, and she's not a killer, and she's not Stone Cold, she's not May, and she's not Ward or Trip or Garrett or even Coulson. That you know she's and she's not quite Fitz and Simmons. Um, but you know, she's maybe a little bit in between and she wasn't ready to, 
you know, let them pull the trigger on Ward. As, as much as she despises him, I, I just think she would have trouble. I think the point they were trying to make, <clears throat> excuse me, the point they were trying to make was she'd have a difficult time trying to live with the fact that she let him die. Like that wouldn't sit well with her. And so I, I kind of became okay with it after that. Yeah, I mean, they've referenced the fact that Ward has now killed S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, you know, and and that's really where the line is drawn. Right. You know, so her, you know, killing anybody at this point, you know, sort of makes her not, you know, any different than Ward. Um, and we said how important it was that Ward did that originally when he shot the two agents in the head and then and then uh, yeah. Agent Hand. And then he did it again, I guess, when they were raiding the fridge, so to speak. Yes. Um and, you know, they've referenced that he's killed so many agents, and that's really – that was important. There's no coming back for him. That's the line in the sand. Yeah, yeah. And it, what's interesting, at first when, when they leave the diner and she gets in the cop car, he has a gun, and he doesn't shoot her. He does, And it doesn't shoot at her. Um, and then Deathlock reaches in and, you know, stops the, stops the car. But when her and Coulson – you know, Coulson sneaks aboard the, the jet – while May, while Hill is kind of stalling for time, her and Ward kind of have a nice little exchange back and forth again. More of the cool badass Maria Hill uh, that we like. Not, not as what. And what's cool about May about Hill, you know, May is the badass that's physically imposing. Like she could literally kick your ass. What I like about Hill is she's, you know, like you said earlier, she's kind of bitchy, right? She, she'll she'll put the hurt on you with words, and she'll put you in your in your in your place. And that's what we see a lot in the comics. And so, again, that exchange between Hill and Ward in the two planes, I think, just kind of reiterated the, the Maria Hill that we, we enjoy so much. Yes. Um, but, but when they escape, Ward starts shooting at Coulson and Skye when they're in the, uh, you know, when they hop in Lola to, to, to get out of the jet. Um, so, again, it kind of, now maybe he knew it was bulletproof glass or whatever, but. I really think they're going the extra mile to show that he's irredeemable. And, you know, we talked about it before. There's one episode left. And if for some reason he comes around, not to say that he couldn't do something to save them and maybe go against Garrett, but if it goes too far, then I think I think people are going to have a real problem with the show. But um, I don't want to prejudge it. Yeah, and I guess we should mention uh, the quote CGI that was used in the escape Oof. from the from the uh, from the plane. Um, yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, you know, they can yes. only do so much. I, I get it. It's not going to look like the Marvel movies, but that was pretty bad. And, and it wasn't. You know, what was worse. It wasn't so much the CGI as the green screen effect right. or blue screen effect. That was what was the worst. Like when. They're falling, and she and Sky is like hasn't buckled in, and then you know Coulson grabs her, and they're just going straight down. That looked really, really bad, <laughs> yeah. really bad. Um, but again, it's TV show budget. They've done some pretty cool stuff with this show. They do a lot of really neat things. I think that that are important, like they do with interface and design and like HUDs and things like that, that I think they make look really snazzy. And we've seen the seven dwarfs, uh, you know, flying around and stuff like that. And I think they make that look pretty sharp. Most of the time the plane looks pretty good. There was a shot in the last episode that with the jump jet and it was like flying over the water. 
uh, and they did kind of like a shaky cam shot of it. It reminded me a lot of like Fly- Firefly and the way they used to shoot uh, some of that stuff. So, I mean, I guess everything can't be, you know, top notch. They just got to pick their poison. Uh, could have been it was the last, you know, hurried up thing. You know, maybe they had some kind of last minute rewrite and they just kind of had to shoehorn that in and didn't have time to make it as pretty as as they would like. You know, who knows? But but yeah, that that stuck out is really bad. <laughs> There was another uh, remark, too, when when Hill and Ward are kind of going through their exchange and Ward says that he never understood when Fury put her as his second in in charge. And he said if he was really going for eye candy, he could have picked Romanoff. So, yeah, (laughs) I'd, I'd like to go back through the season and count how many references they have to the actual Marvel movie characters. And I think I think maybe uh Romanoff probably wins the wins that bet because I it seems to me they've mentioned her more times than they have anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of makes sense being that she's like a actual shield agent rather than a right, you know, a superhero. And Barton, I think they've said Barton a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, they they've definitely mentioned him a couple of times, but it's just it's funny it's like Romanoff is like the go-to, you know, when they yeah. talk about interrogation and they talk about um you know, just diff, you know, like test of feats or of strength or endurance or something like that. It's like her name is always thrown in there, which I, I think is kind of funny. Um, and this was probably one of the uh, more important tag-ons. Yeah, yeah. So at at the at the end of the episode, we kind of get the scene where they're all by the pool in the in the motel, which is is kind of funny. Um, you know, and Trip talks about being on, va- you know, vacation, and you know, th- it was kind of a nice little ending that they had had to the episode. I kind of, I kind of liked it. it. Was kind of, kind of a little slowed down. And then, like you said, we see, uh, oh, uh, at one point we see May. Early on, we we forgot about that, but we definitely see May when she's at the cemetery. She digs up the grave, and then you know, sees that guy going to mourn his, you know, loved one or whatever, and she's like, "Sorry for your loss," and we yeah. see that it's Colson's grave. Um, so, so the tag at the end is May is back. She shows Coulson the video, and we find out the person in charge of the Tahiti project was no none other than Phil Coulson himself, uh, which I thought it's one of those that's like, duh, it's so obvious that we should have caught that uh, before. Um, right. But that was really freaking cool. I mean, that was just like one of those, oh, no, they didn't kind of moments <laughs> when you're watching it. Yeah, that was cool, and I guess um... – did part of this happen before the break, and then it came back? I guess maybe after no, it was the, all. Oh, it was, it was all, all after, after the break. Okay, because yeah. it seemed yeah. like it. It uh, you got to think on that for a minute, and then they played the video of Coulson basically saying that he was done with the Tahiti program, that it wasn't stable was enough. And, say that again. He was done with Shield. He was oh right, right, period. okay, yeah. Yeah, and the Tahiti program had, you know, uh, there were signs of mental deterioration and psychosis, and uh, you know, f- uh, he he wanted Fury to pull the plug altogether. So now we we see the uh, sort of he's pre- he's it's funny his his reaction wasn't very uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for he he wasn't very urgent his his no. reaction right it was like huh. You know, like, like as huh. sort of a comical yeah, uh, end yeah. to the whole thing. But this should really set some 
alarms off, you know, that he could be deteriorating at any time. Or Sky. You know, one of the things they said was it seemed like patients did better when they had memory replacement. Like when they didn't know what had been done to them, that they seemed to fare better, but but it was still just kind of a mess. Um, and so maybe that's why they went so extensive with the memory replacement as they did with, with Colson. But I think now he's maybe a little more worried about Sky because she didn't have any of that memory replacement. She was just injected with the serum and, you know, kind of sent on her way. So very interesting, very interesting. But, but yeah, I was, I just thought it was really a really cool thing they did with the right. I mean, this is definitely one of those tags. It's funny how every, every few episodes, there's a tag where you're just like, okay, whatever. You know, it's like, yeah, it, it's just like, and I think when we get to, to rag tags, we'll kind of get to there. It's like, okay, you know, just seems like the ending to an episode, nothing special. And then there's some of them that are either they make you laugh or they divulge some, you know, interesting information or whatever. And th this, but this was definitely one of those that just kind of had you going, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sort of mirrors the movies, right? Some of the movie sure. tags are like, Oh man, I can't believe I sat in my seat for shawarma. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, and some of them are a really cool setup for, you know, an upcoming movie or, or whatever. Right. Right. So that but, was good. I mean, I, I guess maybe yeah. we can, I don't know if we just want to kind of rate the whole thing at the end and maybe Ken will join us at that point. We could sort of uh, do our ratings and it's hard to keep talking about nothing's personal without getting to ragtag. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So yeah, maybe, can... maybe, well, go ahead. If you have any closing thoughts on uh, nothing's personal. No, no. I, th I think like you said, we can, we can definitely get to ratings um, at the end and I think that'll, that'll be good. Okay. So, we're now officially caught up, and we begin Ragtag, uh, the last episode before the finale, episode 21. Yes. Penultimate, I think is the word. That is the word. So, this one started out, I guess I wasn't really expecting to have kind of like a Ward retrospective episode, and that's kind of you know what this was i'd say maybe a third of it was a history of ward and then two-thirds of it is you know ongoing you know plot and and you know story development um but we find out that and and it's interesting because we've seen some of ward's history before you know with the whole with the episode the well um and i really thought when we were going to get some flashback to his history that we'd get some more information regarding what happened at the well and what kind of what was going on and they really didn't go that route they it turns out that ward had either been shipped off uh maybe because of the events of the well you know what happened with with that um you know shipped off to military school and apparently got into some trouble left uh stole a car went back home and burned his house down with his brother still in it <laughs> yeah um, which is pretty hardcore uh, he said he didn't know his brother was in in the uh, house at the time, um, but is apparently his parents. Now this is what's interesting. So, so Garrett comes in and he says, um, "So your parents are gonna are are gonna prosecute you for arson and attempted murder, and your brother, your older brother, is pushing uh, you to be tried in a, as an adult." And I'm curious if if that was if that was really true. Or if that was Garrett 
trumping things up to get Ward to his side. Like, I wonder if that's really, really what was going down uh, or if Garrett was just trying to make it look worse than it seemed. But I, either way, I don't think we – I think we learned between this episode and last that Ward didn't have a very good home life, whether it was he was a, a bad – you know, kind of a bad seed or whether he just had bad parenting and, you know, his older sibling was a bit of a – of a sadist and, and caused him to do bad things. You know, at this point we're really not sure, but I, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. And, and we'll probably, we'll probably never know. Uh, again, I could see a, a, a scene, a, a, something down the road where Ward finds out the truth about, you know, Garrett and how they've been playing him all along and, and blah blah blah, and and you know maybe Ward gets to redeem himself as he dies. You know that's the only way I I see this ending well for for Ward. Yeah, I see it. I see it really going two ways. Um, one of them, one of them is that Ward dies in some kind of heroic fashion, or he goes on to kind of be like a. Um, Almost like maybe the character of Spike from Buffy, where or maybe Angel, maybe a little more like Angel, where he's not good for the group or does something really bad, and he becomes almost like a secondary character. Where and we talked about this before, where he's not really on the team, but he's trying to basically repent. So he's kind of like a lone wolf doing his own thing and crosses paths with the with the team, you know, yeah. somewhat frequently, but. Or maybe he's I'd, only reporting to Sky. Yeah, almost like Snake Eyes from GI Joe. Like yeah. Scarlet can get in touch with him when she needs <laughs> like something really dirty done. Yeah, I like ninjas. Yes, but yeah, I think so. I, I'm I'm hoping we get more of him. Um, it, it seems like if they're just going to kill him off in this next episode, that that was a lot of exposition kind of wasted on a character that isn't going to stick around. Um, but, but two, that might make it a little more shocking because we've kind of got invested a little more in Ward after this episode. And if, if they kind of dispose of him, you know, it, it maybe has a little more weight to it. So, And I could see this going a season of, you know, Ward being on Hydra as sort of the, you know, maybe they have whatever their A plots are each week, and that B plot is always like Ward getting more ticked off at Garrett or more questions being asked, you know. Right. Slowly leading up to whenever they have Ward flip or die. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we find out that Deathlock's been on the move. Um, apparently he's killed a Colombian drug lord. Uh, and as we'll find out later in the episode, that was to impress the American military to show what these new super soldiers uh, can do. Which... It, it rarely ends well for Colombian drug lords. No, yes, that is true. You can have your pet <laughs> Bengal tigers and your helicopters, but sooner, <laughs> sooner or later... A cyborg's going to come punch your head off. Yeah, yeah. Federale <laughs> cyborg, something. <laughs> machete yes yes um then we get this bit back at the team where uh they decide how they're gonna they're gonna make a move on uh, on garrett and try and try and figure out what's going on and so it's funny because colson kind of puts up this 
crazy diagram with all these circles around it that shows how everything's can you know it's funny he's drawing all these lines and everything and i'm like yeah everything's connected and there's him connecting all the dots so it was just kind of it was kind of funny because he was he kind of realized after he did it it was like yeah this is probably kind of silly because everybody knows all of this already but it's almost like he just wanted to get up there and draw so yeah it was just kind of funny it was um the whole bit with the trojan horse virus thing that sky uploaded was a little bit contrived i was like Okay, it's a little bit hokey that she kind of created this Trojan horse but didn't get to finish it, but it's still functional. And, you know, th- this is kind of the – yeah, it's too bad Ken wasn't on at, at this point because this, pro- this is the stuff that the two of us, we kind of roll our eyes uh, uh, at when, when they do crazy, crazy tech stuff. Well, I have a feeling he will be joining us very shortly, so maybe we can we'll, bring we'll ask him what he thought. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. But it's funny that, you know, Colson said, you know, he he makes a point of saying he wants his plane back, which I, th- I thought was funny. Yes. Oh, one of the things I was going to mention with Peterson um, that I noticed in the last episode with Deathlock is that he said to Ward at one point, he said... Um, I think they showed on his little readout that it's that Garrett is losing his patience, um, you know, put an end to this now. And that's when he gets up and goes back there. So I think for a while we thought that Garrett was the one that was or the, the clairvoyant was the one that was actually typing into the to the control module. Right. Um, you know, all the messages. And so since he referred to himself as Garrett, we find out that's that's not true. Um, and then later on, Garrett says something about, oh, you know. Mikey did a good job. Have Zoller, um, you know, show him, you know, five minutes of his kid or something like that. So we find out that the Zoller guy is the one that is uh, literally pulling his strings. So there's no chance they said Zola, right? Right. And and when we get into the spoiler section, I'll kind of uh, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk a little bit about that Um, because because there was something that little preview of next episode that kind of ex- uh, explains uh, what's going on with that with that situation. And I guess it's as good a time as any uh, as we're talking about Garrett and and Deathlock and Cybertech uh, that we were we were sort of right that you know when we were shown Garrett's scars early on and uh, that we thought he might have had some work done. And it turns out he's sort of a Deathlock version one. Yes. And uh, they opened up the uh, sort of Alan Key wrenched his uh, side open. uh, Yeah, yeah. Saw his innards. Yeah, with some of the um, centipede tech in there, right? Yes, yes. And we found out that's really kind of where all this stuff came from, that he's really pushing the centipede tech and he's pushing, uh, you know, this GH-235 and everything. It's it's. You know, part of it maybe to advance the Hydra agenda, but most of it appears to further his own, you know, self-preservation that, you know, he doesn't want to die. And he, you know, once he found that Coulson and Sky were able to use this chemical to completely regenerate what was wrong with him, you know, he kind of went down that path of needing it. Because he makes a point of saying that, you know, the, the centipede stuff is okay for his, you know, limbs and extremities and, you know, making him 
keeping me okay there, but it's it's obviously having some negative effects on his organs. You know that this chemical is causing his organs to fail. So not looking good for Mr. Garrett. And and it was interesting. I know again we're we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but when when Garrett has that episode, at first I thought he was faking it because it was kind of at that at that moment where. Garrett was getting on Ward's case for being soft on Sky, and I, I think Garrett thought maybe that Ward was kind of wavering in the mission, like he didn't think that that Ward was was full in, right? And and so I thought Garrett was kind of faking it to to get him to to come around, like he'd feel sorry for his mentor and his you know father figure, uh, and that that would kind of snap him out of it. Uh, but as we see, that that wasn't the case. I mean, when he when he said you know literally dying, I've got you know, maybe a month or, or two left. Um, that that wasn't the case. Um, what do you think of uh, Reyna? She's cute. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't know. She. It, it's sort of odd to me. I like. I, I mean, I get she's kind of like their go-to science person and everything. You know, she doesn't really come off as evil, though. No. Maybe she's questioning. Like, she sort of leers back at them sometimes. And I think they even mentioned, like, did, is it Garrett that says she's spooky or her yeah. staring at me is creepy yeah. or something? It's the eyes. Yeah. And then she, she even kind of tells Ward on the side. It was like one of those, oh, hey, there's something I need to tell you. And then it's like, oh, you know, I should probably tell Garrett and not you. It's almost like she's she's baiting Ward. Yeah, uh, and then he says, "No, you can you can tell me." And as promised, we're joined by Ken Morgan. Hello, Ken. Hey, hey. Better late than never. Yes, we've uh, we apologized. We sort of explained. Uh, we got through nothing personal, and the first thing that we wanted to talk to you about in ragtag, as we sort of jump around like we do. Is uh, what did you think of Sky's magic Trojan horse that uh, she was able to <laughs> apply, but not fully apply? But she just needs to plug in her USB stick to activate it. Convenient. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. It was all right. Whatever. I mean, she they they set up at the at the end of nothing personal that she left something behind, but were very vague about it. And then they said, "Oh yeah, we can track it." And you know, it was clever the way they then did it at CyberTech where there's, you know, no computers, it's all just files, so they couldn't follow through that part of the plan. Um, I, I was telling John that every th this is one of those episodes where stuff happens where you and I just being tech-centric for so many years just roll our eyes when they, when they use tech in a way that is A, impossible, or B, really, really implausible, and you just have to go... Yeah, most people probably don't know the difference anyway, so just get over yourself kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, like the geolocking for the whole, um, for the encryption in general, I, I could see Sky having that type of a program kind of already ready to go, uh, like in her toolbox. Uh, that's certain, that part's certainly possible, which is why she would have been able to implement it or at least implant it that quickly. Um, so it's not like she coded something from scratch on the fly. Uh, it, but like I said, it, it would have been really eye-rolling if, like, it was just on and working. And, oh, look, here they are. They're right here in, you know, downtown Birmingham or Alabama or something. But, no, it was – they had – it put them on the next the next quest. It's like, all right, that's, again, it's convenient. But I, I didn't put that much more into it because we got a lot of other cool stuff out of Ragtag, so. Yeah. 
So we're, we're kind of talking about uh, about the, the, the Trojan horse and stuff like that. When Colson and May go undercover uh, in the Cybertech facility and then uh, Trip pulls out his box of uh, vintage uh, Howling Commando gear, it, it all seems so silly. But what was funny is most of that stuff, you know, as I was kind of digging around, I haven't read a lot of the early Lee Kirby, um, uh, Starenko, uh, Nick Fury, S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff, but most of those little things in there were actually straight out of the comics. I mean, the, um, what was it, the the Hypno Ray or whatever that was. Yeah, the, yeah. The walkie-talkie quarter, that was that was in there. Um and just, yeah. just some of those gadgets are straight out of the comics, which I thought was kind of again fitting. You know, it's yeah. just, it just it was it it just felt very Silver Age when they were <laughs> going through that stuff. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys talked about the news of the shows that were uh, renewed or picked up for next year, but I think that's a yes. something we'll see a lot more of. With uh, you did talk about it, yes. So that's yes. something we'll see a lot of those kind of gadgets uh, in in Agent Carter, I'm sure. Um, as an aside, unrelated to all that, but you kind of just jogged in my memory, we, something we didn't point out a couple weeks ago when they first did the whole uh, Hydra reveal, the melee after Captain America, um, they had a little moment where they said, you know, cut off one head, uh, two more grow back, and Garrett says, head? I thought it was limbs. No, no, it's head. Uh, I was rereading some of the Brewbreaker run of Captain America, and in there the phrase is, cut off one lib, limb, two more grow back, so... Uh, that was a nice little pickup on saying, well, well, no, wait, was it head or was it limbs? So, it was both. <laughs> it was both. It was both. But I, I, it was funny at the time. But now it's like, oh no! In the comics, they did say limb. It was. It was a nice remembrance. So, talking about comic references, there you go. There's another one. Nice. But but there's some cool stuff in there. I mean, the the Joy Buzzer EMP I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, and that and that had a good purpose. I think everything in there had a pretty yes. good purpose. Um, yes. I think more eye rolling than the uh, than. Sky's program was the idea of scanning for data on UHF versus Wi-Fi. I was like, oh. that, that, I was that's like, when I that's when they lost me. <laughs> yes. They lost me on that one. Um, yeah, I don't know what they would have actually picked up, but unless they just wanted to like detect the um, the presence of a giant supercomputer, because I mean I'm sure that would put up some level of uh, RF that you could pick up in that sense, but you weren't going to actually going to get any data out of there. Um, but if she was using the, the UHF to detect the presence of something. So that she can get them in there to plug in the flash drive. Okay, I'll buy that much. But they didn't. It sounded like she was looking for data. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it was just that whole bit with May and Coulson in the interview. You know, with the whole Cybertech thing and them talking about the uh, the icer. And apparently, somebody already proposed it to him as the sleepy sleep gun. And I think they just uh, forgot. They just forgot what it was called the night night. But we talked about uh, when they did uh, the the train episode uh, tracks. Uh, they had the, it's where they had the aerosol. Um, well, now we know we were in the whole, you know, time travel oh, yeah, question yeah. at the time, like where to come yeah. from. Well, now we know where they got that from. They got the, the night, night bullets from there. They weaponized it, you know, made it more, as they said, more effective, which it was very effective, the aerosol. Uh, but that's what yeah. we saw. We saw that in tracks. I like that the employees at Cybertech uh, said that Hydra agents were usually, uh, ex-Hydra agents were usually much more interesting and, younger yeah and uh it's just i don't know it reminded me of just like hipster you know like a google or one of these new yes tech yeah places to work yeah, shield is microsoft google uh hydra is google right right and cyber tech is apparently apple because it was funny because they said yeah yeah 
the cybertech facility was in Palo Alto, which I thought was that really was funny, funny. Yeah. Although that would make a lot of sense if uh, Steve Jobs was Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I assume you talked about nothing personal. You talked about the um, about the tag at the end there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's um, uh, this will go into ragtag. So eventually, um, so so Colson's video said that the only thing that seemed to stem the the mental breakdown was. Uh, not was rewriting the memories, which now that's why they rewrote the memories, you know, apparently, so that he wouldn't be aware of what was done to him to hopefully keep him sane. And that's why, you know, she was there to watch him. With the gradual introduction of what happened to him over the last, we'll call it a year, whatever it's been, though, um, he's now fully aware of it, but because it was introduced to him gradually, has his body and mind healed enough that he's not going to ever feel those effects. Uh, I wonder that because as we continue on talking about ragtag, here's someone who's fully aware of what happened to him, uh, and, and I think we'll see some some uh, mental breakdown in in Garrett pretty quickly. Yeah, well, and Sky is the same way, right? I mean, she she didn't have any of her memories wiped, and she was injected. All right, and... well, let's let's talk about let's continue our conversation with Raina now. <laughs> Will she? It sounds an awful lot like now, like we are going down the path of Sky is is alien, so it is her biology. It is it is it may be her her actual right DNA. So would she actually suffer ill effects from it? Yeah, it was right. Interesting I mean, to, I think that's. I, I was just gonna say it, it's interesting how Raina tells the story that you know monsters were looking for their child. You know, I guess you can interpret that a couple of ways. That's the story. That's the way it was, you know, handed down for, you know, we'll call it 20 years. Uh, Sky's what, 19, 20, 21-ish? Um, we'll call it that long. So, but as a child, Raina would have heard it. I mean, you know, people in China are going to uh, probably look at this. Uh, they're probably in one of the villages, probably somewhere remote, and they're going to see. All they know is monster. I mean, that's the only way to describe it. Uh, so that's the way she heard the story, and that's the way she told it. Not with any kind of scientific background, but because of it was folklore, more or less. Right. But I, I think that's the big question is how alien, if at all, is Sky? What is, you know, what is her physiology? Um, you know, obviously it's nothing too glaring because they've done medical tests and blood tests and everything else and nothing's come up. Well, so... no, she specifically pointed out she referred to her DNA. Didn't say what that meant, right. but it was different enough that it set off red flags. True, but I mean, it's not so foreign as as it's easily recognizable, I guess is what I'm getting at. Right, and, you know, you know, she, you know the, the monster may be the day's parents, but maybe she was a product experiment, maybe she was a hybrid human alien, uh, but I am more firmly in the side of she's certainly not fully human. Uh, so I don't know, I'm not going to put my, my money on she's going to have any kind of uh, ill effects from the, the, the serum, um, only because I bet she shares some genetic, genetic markers with it. She's from Kunlun. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Very One good. One step co closer to having Fat Cobra on a television show. <laughs> well, Iron Fist, is in the, Iron Fist is in the slate for Netflix, right? Yes, it yes. is. All right. 
then we will completely watch John lose his. You know, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. When that show comes out, we are going to be in for a treat on this show. I hope. I, I, I hope. Just watching John have a meltdown. Is that going to be all at once? Like each show will be binge watched, like like they do House of Cards and that. It's supposed to be like you know. I'm here's... assuming. Yeah, I mean, we don't know for sure, but I guess that's the model, right? Like House of Cards, like you said, and Orange is the New Black. I mean, right. That's the way. That seems to be the Netflix model. All right, we're way off the track now. So yes. So back. So let's go back to the to the facility. So Fit uh, Colson and May are there. Uh, there was a little bit of slapsticky part, but it still just made me laugh when they they need to get to the fourth floor. They're done with their interview. They get in the elevator. The door shuts because it's going down. Uh, you know, you hear them beating the crap out of the guard, and then. You, the doors don't open, but you see the uh, the the light to go up light up, and the and the elevator moves. I just thought that was kind of funny. I mean, a little silly, but I th- I thought it worked just fine. Nah, it fit. It was good. Little little comic relief. Yep. Doesn't doesn't doesn't. Yeah. Work. Yeah, and even even the uh, exchange in the hallway on the fourth floor with the phone yes. right between the two, and who can get to it first, and. You may take him down pretty quickly and just catching the phone. And then the final touch, the final, perfect final touch, just push the glasses up. Yeah. That that was- that, uh, that reminds me of, uh, I guess we're, I guess we're jumping around all over the place. Was it, was it last episode when they gave uh, Maria Hill a little action? Yeah. Uh, when yeah. Talbot's guys came yep. up, right? Not, yeah, nothing's nothing's per- personal, and you know right. she has the news about Ward, and, and and it's almost like they had a little unspoken nod in a moment because I'm watching that 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 scene. Buffy. Well, well not <laughs> all I thought of was, was Buffy. Buffy <laughs> but I no, I saw that, and and the thing that like it's like I made me sit up was very simple. Colson unbuttoned his jacket. Yeah. Colson unbuttoned yeah. his jacket, and then boom, action ensues. I was like, all right, I'm in. Let's go. When I saw the you know obvious stand-in for Maria Hill do the flips or whatever and the kicks, and then and then <laughs> it sort of cuts away, and then it's back to Colby. She like, falls behind the couch. The stunt will fall behind the couch, and Maria Hill stands up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I totally saw Sarah Michelle Gellar, who could barely hold the stake. <laughs> anyway. So the cool thing about that whole bit is that there's no computer files, that everything is literally uh, files in physical <laughs> files in a yeah. file room, which I thought was, for some reason, I just found that really awesome. Like, that was a cool touch. You know, it's, it's just the whole, how do you prevent something from being hacked? Well, you make it so it's physically impossible to hack it. Right. Battlestar you know, Galactica. You, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that was cool when they, they find, you know, that, of course, that's when we find out that Deathlock, the pr- as a program, has been around for a while. One of the, there's a little Easter egg thing in, in that bit, too, when uh, Coulson's going through the file cabinets. He comes across a file on the Brand Corporation, and the Brand Corporation is a subsidiary of Roxxon, which we know Roxxon has showed up in this show. We know Roxxon has showed up in Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it even showed up. wasn't Wasn't it a Roxxon freighter that was in the Winter Soldier? I think so. A freighter, maybe. What, oh no, that was a Shield freighter. I'm sorry. That, that, was, that, that, that was a Shield freighter at the beginning of that. Yeah, it was a Roxxon oil rig in Iron Man three, and we saw right. Roxxon in um, in the background of Iron Man one. Right, and I think in this in this show, Roxxon is is showed up 
uh, once or twice. Um, but I thought that was interesting that that was uh, that was a little callback uh, to Roxon there. So we may see the brand corporation uh, be more prominent at some point. Um, but I love when they're talking on the phone and Colson says, you know, that that it's all physical files. He says, get ready for a large file download, and he just shoves that file, file transfer yeah. Out, yeah. Out, out the window. Yeah. <laughs> it just that whole escape sequence was kind of cool with the with the the grappling hook rope and yes, and just all that. It was like that was just fun, clever. Get it out of the way. Take this. Take the whole filing cabinet. And the music. So we talked a little bit about the the music. It felt very Avengers ish, is what I have in my notes. Like as they were playing that that dun music dun, as they were escaping. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, yeah, yeah. It kind of had that. Yeah, I picked not it up exactly, like, but it. Yep, it's that 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 beat is there. That one little reference. Yeah. You know, yeah, like like even like in Smallville, they dun, 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 dun. the rest of it can be right. different, but they conclude that little bit. Yeah, it has that uh, the unofficial the- uh, shield theme song. Yeah. At some point, we're gonna have to talk about Buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know yeah. about Buddy. And John, you're—I don't know if you said this already, but you're probably not gonna like this. The big part of this episode, or that whole plot, part of the plot, was the setup to Garrett's ultimate re- redemption. That's what I got out of that. Out of that storyline, to, to Ward's ultimate redemption. Did I say Garrett? Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. To Ward. No, Ward. exactly. And, and what I was just about to say is he, he couldn't—he couldn't do it. Or he, he, thought he thought twice. He thought twice about doing it, and that's no, he gonna didn't, happen. He didn't shoot the dog. Right. You don't and think so? He, we just looked at him. He shot the gun. The dog ran away, and Garrett's or uh, War Tang was in the air. He shot in the air. So who's right. got him in his sights but, later? Is that Garrett just seeing he didn't kill the dog? I, yeah, I thought I, th- I thought that was Garrett. That goes right. back oh. to the whole you didn't do everything I tell you to do. He didn't. See, Garrett didn't know. Yeah, I, I we didn't see it, but I thought that was Garrett. Oh, see, I took it. I I got. I thought that was no. So I I so Ward doesn't shoot the dog. Right, and then it, they they contrast that with uh, we're jumping a little bit ahead, but but Fitz and Simmons in that cube, that whole thing was overlaid. Yeah, he, yeah. he right, and then he he lets him go, and that, he says he he says or he he drops him. What does he say? He said, uh, "Oh, you're, it's a weakness." And then they show the gun with the crosshairs, the same gun that he used earlier to shoot the deer, and then they show him lining up the dog and shooting it. I took that as Ward having second thoughts and. And realizing that he couldn't let it be a weakness, he had to do it even though he didn't want to. No. He couldn't do it right there in front of him, but he did do it because he made a point of saying that dog runs off. Now, you guys could be right because he told Garrett every time he shoots that gun, the dog runs off. So Garrett might have been looking downfield to see if that's what if, – if, if he didn't actually shoot the dog. Yeah, I got to go back and watch it again to be sure, but I took that as earlier when Garrett, he said, I've asked you everything, I've done everything you asked me to do. He's like, well, we both know that's not true. You know, I'm looking back at that as he didn't shoot the dog and, and Garrett, you know, did it himself. That's and, really interesting because I, when I watched it, I took it exactly how Ken took it. But now that I'm listening to Russ, he couldn't do it like face-to-face with the dog. And then he didn't look at them when he let them go. And then they showed that he was able to do it to the dog like at long range. Almost like a cowardly type thing. He can't face them. Compare that with Fitzsimmons. So what did he do there? He, he couldn't kill them directly, so he just ejected the medical pod so they would drown in the ocean. Right. See, I'm thinking that thing is, is, is airtight, and they're just floating in the ocean right now. 
you know, they, they may still die if it was unintended, but they'll get picked up. Yeah, uh, I think is the intention there. That 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 yeah, he he couldn't do it himself, but he also like like, like Batman, I don't I can can't I can't kill you, but I won't I don't have to save you. Not I'm not saying Garrett's Batman or Ward's Batman, but uh I, I, I think he he the whole point of the whole thing was that as I said earlier on, this team did make an impact on him. He's still following orders, but he's still questioning orders. He's got a lot to deal with. He's got a lot to answer for. Um, but they're definitely setting up for his uh, his redemption. And as as Garrett reacts or whatever to this serum throughout this final episode, we'll we'll see where he goes. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's interesting because I didn't even think about that. I just I literally took it like I said as as Ward shooting it from a distance. But I could I could totally see your guys's point as well but it's it's interesting it was very ambiguous um i just took it when garrett said well we know that's not true i just took that as him and sky like he couldn't he couldn't do he couldn't hurt her to get the information oh at the time he, at the time he said it i think that's exactly how yeah. we were meant to take it but given more information i added that in there as well yeah interesting interesting fitz really grew a pair in this episode too i mean as much as he wanted to believe that that ward was either under control or you know not act you know acting under some sort of duress um you know when it all came down to it he you know he hit the buzzer that that started you know garrett's last episode you know he you know ran away and you know kind of got simmons to what he thought was safety um and he kind of almost spit in garrett's face you know, when he said, yeah, I did that, you know, th- that was me and you're, you know, you're going down and you're all, you're all going to pay for this. So uh, Fitz, <clears throat> I-, I was going to say this to the end, but I guess maybe now's a good, a good time. I think of all the characters that have changed through this episode or through this series so far or that have, have grown or made some kind of significant change. I think Fitz has probably come the furthest. I mean, when we first see him at the beginning, I mean, it's like the Fitzsimmons show and they're one person and one identity. I think I've mentioned this before. Um, but especially after this episode, he's really kind of become, uh, you know, uh, somebody that's willing to kind of stand up for himself more um, and to, to assert himself more and to, to not just kind of be the nerdy lab boy that, that he may have been in the beginning. Yeah, I agree. I also liked uh, his interactions with Trip Change. As soon as they had something in common, something they could have some common yeah. ground, you know, basically boys with their toys. And because he was he was geeking out over the gadgets just as much as uh, yeah. as, as uh, Coulson was. So the boys and, had a moment. And Trip's not taking it personal. I think that's what's cool about his character is he knows what's up with Fitz. I mean, he knows Fitz is going through a rough time because he's pretty sure that he has feelings for Simmons. He he himself is kind of muscling in on that relationship. So he knows there's some friction there. He knows that Fitz is trying to believe that Ward is not, is not, you know, an evil person. So when Fitz really kind of snaps it, trip, trip just kind of takes it in stride and just moves on. Uh, so that, again, that was really cool. Uh, you know, John and I talked about earlier how seamless he's come into this team and, you know, and, and just been able to just, you know, come in, quickly as opposed to some of the you know the other characters that have have taken a while to kind of develop themselves now the the eyes that light up um 
you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, when they all the death locks are all yeah. of the super yes. soldiers or whatever. Yep. Was your guys' impression that it was like an army of death locks, or are these like oh, yeah. the super soldier guys that we had seen earlier with the? No, uh, this, this is this is the finished product. This is this is more death locks. I would bet this is. They're all yeah. They're geared up just like um, Mike Peterson is. That's that's what I'm expecting to see. And one of them has the, the what is it? The Berserker staff. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. <clears throat> that's Jared. always been kind of a of a question that I've had, you know. Like, and we've talked about it before. Like, is that whole Ward picking up the Berserker staff gone? Did it mean nothing? You know, are we supposed to remember it? Was it going somewhere and they dropped it, you know, for the new direction of, or, or you know? No, I think he did just, Ward was just remembering what it did to him and he recovered it. And now one of the centipede soldiers has it. Uh, was it whole or they didn't separate it again, did they? I was thinking maybe a couple of them may have had it or something. It, it lit up. a little short, but yeah. That's why I was thinking it was a short, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think in the original episode, it did it like activate until they put it together? Right. This yeah, this until, one was definitely glowing. Well, so. the, yeah, it didn't like like that, but it still. Remember when it was in pieces, still had an imp, uh, affected the people who held the portions of it. Right, but it didn't. It didn't glow it didn't, though. Yeah, it didn't glow. All right. <clears throat> I mean, it could it, be it's reverse engineered too. I mean, that the, you know the whole point with the cybertech is. Yeah. You know they're taking all of this technology and you know the, these drugs and everything else and. I mean, they made a destroyer gun. Why can't they make a berserker staff? Right. It's right. Science is magic. Yes. So we saw Garrett go a little uh, extremis for a minute there. I don't know if you guys saw that. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, he already had the extremis stuff in his system. Uh, they said that was that's what was keeping him alive. That's what that that uh, sack or whatever it was that they injected the serum into. Um, that metabolizer did whatever it had to with it. Worked through his body, healed him, and also charged him up. So now he's he's basically basically uh, an extremis soldier himself now. Um, not exactly like extremis, extremis, uh, and certainly has some cybernetic, but he's a deathlock. He's as much a deathlock as anybody else's. Sure, sure. Um, but I'm really, I mean, his whole thing with you know how he can see the universe, um, looking in his eyes, getting a little crazy in there. Uh, some of the clips I've already seen from Tuesday's episode. He's he's going to go a little off the deep end and. You know, get cross a line from uh, psychopath is just straight psychotic. If there is such a thing, I don't know. Um, yeah. he's 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 definitely going to have a, a mental breakdown before this is over, and we'll see where that where that goes. Um, yeah. But I love Colson's comment on the door. He's like, <clears throat> when they're trying to find where the technology, whatever's behind the door, and he's like, "Let me do this. This you know, secret doors are kind of my thing." Do we have and, a reference uh, to that? Like, did he do a secret door thing before? Or that... Was that in 084? Did he find the, the, do the door in 084? Maybe. When they were in the jungle or whatever? Maybe. I was thinking back to the movies or something. I didn't think about the series, but I don't, I don't remember any significant episode with a secret door before. No. I mean, the only thing is, you know, the lockers, which, you know, he opened up to get the the destroyer gun out of. But Yeah, yeah. That wasn't really that, so. That's just right. funny. Yeah. 
And that's pretty much where we leave the episode proper. The, the team's surrounded. Um, Fitz and Simmons are in a floating cube somewhere. Yeah. And that in, was, in that, the was ocean. that was Sky's medical pod, I believe they were in. Yeah. And it, of course, because they have the uh, walkie talkie quarter that also has a homing beacon, um, they'll be able to find where they're at pretty easy. Yeah. Um, now, now the clip I saw, um, not to get too much spoilers, it was just the four of the members of the team, May, Colson, Trip, and uh, Sky. So at least that's of that part of it that hadn't been recovered yet, or at least not right. enough to be in the team. So we'll see how long that goes. So we get to the tag, and this is John and I were talking earlier about tags that are just like jaw droppers, uh, some that are funny, and some that are just kind of like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Nothing, you know, nothing real, no real big reveal, uh, you know, going on, but just kind of like a little, you know, period at the end of the sentence. And to me, that's what this one uh, is. We get Glenn Morshower playing a general, which I, I think he, he always plays a general in everything he's ever been in or some sort of. You know, twenty four. He was like Secret Service detail yeah. or whatever. So it's yeah. just it's he's like the same guy whenever he plays. Um, we see Ian Quinn has kind of set up shop and is back in business, and uh, we find out that them sending Deathlock to kill the Colombian drug lord was like a freebie for them to show off Sales what call, the Deathlock, yeah. yeah, could do, um, and that the military is going to be all in on what Cybertech has to offer. I mean, think about it. I mean, there, there's a void now with Shield gone. Um, that they were they were the they were the spies, but they were also you know the, deal, muscle. the muscle and dealing with things that other people can want to. So now there's a hole to be filled, and Cybertech slash Hydra's ready to step in that. So Hydra had a good thing being infiltrated into Shield. Now they'll be infiltrated into Cybertech as they try to position themselves as being the uh, the main defense contractor to the government. Well, and Stark plays in that too because we found you know uh, John and I were talking well, what we found out in nothing personal. Is that they made a couple references to the fact that Stark has, you know, privatized world security. So he's got he's got a he's got something in on that too. Right. I was sure that uh, they were gonna like just I don't know pan around to the general that they were sitting with or whatever, and the maybe not even show his face or something, and the name tag would say Ross. That would have been cool. You know, I was just yeah. expecting yeah. something, you know, like not that, you, like you said, you can have a tag that really just doesn't blow you away or it doesn't need to open up anything, but something about the way they situated, the way they were seated, and you could see Quinn, but you really couldn't see who he was talking to. Yeah. I thought maybe we were going to get some kind of reveal or a little Easter yeah. egg or something. I, mean, I, I don't want to dismiss this as insignificant. I mean, it basically describes what Hydra's plan is um, going into the finale, which is to get these soldiers into into the government, into the key positions, and they'll be ready to be activated as Hydra soldiers whenever whenever they need them. Um, and, put, and puts Hydra back into a position of influence over the uh, United, United States government and potentially world governments as they sell these to other, other countries. So it's definitely not insignificant. Maybe not as key to the different subplots we're dealing with, like the... Uh, uh, the Tahiti plug or the, the introduction of Maria Hill or the tracking her down. But it's um it's important to the to the end game of, of, of Cybertech slash Hydra. Sure, sure. So anything else left to say on uh Ragtag? 
No, no, it's been a uh, it's been a long season, but it's really, you know, it's paid off. It's gone in a it's gone in a good direction. I've enjoyed both of these last several episodes, and I'm looking forward to the finale. Yeah, it's been solid since right before. Really, all through 2014, the whole second half, it's been great. Um, you know, despite the gaps, but it's been really good, especially once they started revealing Tahiti and building up on that. Uh, it's been it's been really good. Um, Love the whole thing. Thrilled that it's been renewed for season two. I'm looking forward to uh, Agent Carter as well and seeing the uh, the the beginnings of Shield and the current state of it. Yep. So do we want to do ratings and then uh, we got a we got some Facebook comments that we can we can just read off real quick and acknowledge. I'll go. As a whole, these two episodes, I'll go 4.25. You know, really solid stuff. I'm hoping to give the finale a nice four and a half and and uh, wrap up the season well. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. If we're doing the two of them combined, definitely like a you know, like a four two, four two five. Um, I, if I split them out, I probably would have done uh, nothing personal, a little higher than ragtag, but. Yeah, together they're solid. You know, four four two five. I'm looking forward to a four five or better next week. I'll go a little higher than you two. I'll give the combined rating for these two a four point five. Uh, again, I, I think the edge slightly to nothing personal for a variety of reasons. Um, and, and like I said, not to say ragtag was was a bad episode by any by any stretch, but um, just two two solid episodes. I mean, you know, we've said it many times at this point, but. Uh, heading into the stretch, I think the show is delivered. And I think if there's anybody that was on the fence in the beginning or just didn't like where it was going, I, I think if they really picked up with the episode that tied into um, The Winter Soldier and just watched from that point forward, if they've watched the pilot of the first few episodes, I really think they'll see what a change this show this show has made. Uh, and it and it's, it's really picked things up. And, and it's not just... In story, but you know, I, I had some criticisms early on about the fight choreography and things like that, and especially you know we compared it a lot to Arrow in the beginning and how tight that show is and how well choreographed a lot of the actions and and things are. And one of the things I noticed specifically in Nothing Personal is that the fights and stuff seem to be a lot more hardcore and a little less dancey choreography than than they were in the beginning. So um, so that's that's definitely a plus. It's it's definitely you know, like I said, picked up rather than let than slacked off, which is hard to do. So I've got a few Facebook comments since it's been a, a, a bit since we recorded. Um, I'll I'll go over uh, some of these here. That uh, um, so the first one from Jason Ritter, who said the little tease at the end of the episode with Colson and May made my mouth hang open, and I'm sure he's referring to nothing personal and where we get the big reveal on the uh, who is in charge of Tahiti. So I, I think... Uh, Probably the same reaction Colson had, just... Yeah. Huh. Yeah, huh. Uh, Brian Arnold says, Great episode. Love that Ward was found out. Love how Sky played him. Love the reveal at the very end and Lola rules. Uh, Lola's going to need to be in the shop for a little while, though. Uh, he, <laughs> he says he also loved the way Ward and Maria Hill went all mean girls on each other. <laughs> uh, that was funny. Uh, Deb Leah says she loved it. Um, Victor Santiago says anyone who still hates Sky is just bitching. So uh, we, I think we we 
uh, talked about that point as well. I say that every week. Yes, 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 yes. So it's good to see that more people are leaning our way on that whole deal as opposed to just keeping uh, griping about that. So that's a, that's a good thing. Um, let's see. Adam says he really enjoyed the episode. He gave it a four out of five. He did like the teaser in the end with Colson and Project Tahiti reveal. Um, our podcasting buddy Daryl Taylor says it's sad that now that the show is really getting good, the season is almost over. Uh, and of course, our our fellow HHWLOD podcast member, Mr. Jim Dietz, says, "Get ready to receive a big file. This is what I wanted the show to be from day one. So you wanted them dropping uh, filing cabinets out of windows every week." <laughs> now going back to the whole thing of you know getting good which is it's it's gotten very good and i've always said it's always been good but and, and kind of what you said earlier uh if you picked if you only saw the beginning but then picked it up you still like it or see what they're doing if we didn't have i maintain if we didn't have the slow burn if we didn't get to know these characters we wouldn't care now about I ward agree. or about any of it so everything works it's all connected wasn't just a for catchy phrase it really all uh it all was connected. It all built up to something great, and you needed the whole package. And uh, I'm glad more and more people are realizing that. Couldn't agree more. So has anybody got anything else? I, I guess there's a couple spoilery things uh, that we could talk about, uh, but not much. No, I think... I think I'm good. Um, just remind everyone that uh, you know we'll be back real soon <laughs> with the uh, with the finale show. We have a couple of cool announcements, hopefully that uh, will pan out. And how about a phone number so we can just cut the people loose that might want not want to hear about next week's preview or whatever? Yes, that phone number is. Area code seven nine two. The phone number is area code nine seven two seven nine eight thirty eight thirty. We haven't got any voicemails for a while, so um, if you definitely leave us some voicemails, we'll get those. Uh, if we don't get them next week for the finale, then we've got some episodes to fill. Uh, so if we get a bunch and we and we hang on to them, we'll definitely queue them up for the uh, for probably the post finale show, or we'll probably do a lot of feedback if if folks uh, give us give us a bunch of feedback. Um, you send us an email at shieldpodcast at hhwlod.com where we'd be happy to get an email uh, we will have a thread on the Facebook group so keep an eye on, on that uh, so after the episode airs we'll we'll start that up so people could comment and give their feedback there um, and go to iTunes give us some iTunes reviews we could really use some iTunes reviews uh, especially with the hiatus coming hopefully now that season 2 has been renewed and we're going to get an Agent Carter series and stuff for the Netflix heats up. People will be looking and searching for cool Marvel TV podcasts or S.H.I.E.L.D. podcasts. Um, and if we get some really good iTunes reviews, uh, that'll help get the show recognized more so than it is. So I uh, really appreciate that. Awesome. So if you'd rather not hear about uh, the preview for next week or any possibly spoilerish material, We'll see you next week. What do you got? So the beginning of the end. That's kind of a ominous uh, title for the episode. Well, it's the beginning uh, of the end of the season. 
that not that all that all that anonymous. So so I'm looking through at all of our speculations, and we've talked about how in the comics there are death locks, many death locks. So we've had that. Um, we've talked about how Deathlock is tied to time travel. Well, I think we don't have that at this point. Um, right. Anything else we're expecting to see, maybe? We knew Garrett was a cyborg. We knew Garrett was going to be coming that. We got that so far. Was Garrett also um, insane, though, in the comics? Like, or just just crazy, psycho? N- no, I don't think so. I mean, at least Secret of, and Secret Warriors, he, he was pretty straight. Yeah. Played pretty straight. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, um, I did so hear I did hear a phrase something that um, according to uh, Patton Oswalt is supposed to be in the uh, finale. Now I don't know if that's going to be flashback or if that's going to be something else. Did you guys read that? No, I read. I read, no, I did I read not. one thing, one place. Now maybe the thing I read they just messed up and got his name in there from the previous episodes. But um, I'm curious to see what what's up with that. I think it was like on Bleeding Cool or something. They even like bolded his name to kind of point out that hey, look who's listed in the the finale. So I don't know what that's. Maybe gonna... if he's in the previously on, they have to list him as part of the credits. I don't know. I don't know. That, maybe. I hope it doesn't mean like it's some kind of crazy ward switcheroo. Like he didn't really, you know, kill him, or there's some LMD thing involved, or something. I don't know. All we want is one friggin' LMD. Oh. <laughs> you know, and that would be a good one to use it on, really, uh, an LMD, yeah. because well, well, one, it would soften the blow with. War, not that he doesn't have enough other blood on his hands, uh, but it would also, again, we've talked about this, the the isolation up in the Providence, that it would make sense for it to be a, an LMD. So, eh, we'll see, maybe. I don't know if LMDs have blood, though, so maybe they do. The it's really part, good ones. Part of, part of the decoy part of Life Model Decoy, or Life Model, whatever. Um Trying to think, what else? Uh, I'm I'm not expecting um, much more out of Sky, out of Sky's reveal. I'm looking at that as being something to dangle for season two. Um, yeah, I agree. I I, I would even wonder if that's going to be even if it's just because of the name of the aliens race that we may finally find out what they are. If that's going to tie into Guardians at all, give us a little bit of a of a of a, of a link to to that movie. But uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. But Guardians not... of the Galaxy come out before this returns. That's this summer already, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Wow. August 4th uh, in the States, and then I would assume the 3rd or 4th week of September for the show's return. Yep. Well, we do know uh, one special guest. Yes. Yes. Sam Jackson. Yes. Yep. And, and 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 good the the clip stage the clip they showed was him wearing the sunglasses. Yeah, it looked like straight out of uh Yeah, it could have just been the Winter cl- Soldier. It could have just yeah. been the clip from the Winter Soldier too. Could so, be. So hopefully hopefully just for uh consistency's sake that's what they do is, is they do that and they they I mean I'm sure they will but I caught so the sh- very tail end of the promo on just you know my kids were watching ABC and and there was a shield promo, and just as a you know, oh, very special guest. And I turned just as it was sort of clipping away from Sam Jackson, and uh, I thought it was Anthony Mackie for a second. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, hit the DVR, run that back, <laughs> run, that, <laughs> run that back. My kids are like, what, what? They going back on the on the DVR. You know, you get a couple of seconds that you can go back on anything or whatever. And uh, yeah, it was Sam Jackson, which I should have known. Watch, I did know. But thought it might have been the Falcon. 
You were hopeful. Yeah, would have been cool. And that was a name that I was like, hey, we could probably get the Falcon for TV for one show. <laughs> you know, it made sense all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> we're not going to get Scar Joe or Chris Evans, but Anthony Mackey, maybe. <laughs> I wonder, a little bit of speculation, since Evans wants to get into directing, I wonder if maybe maybe they could horse trade a little bit where he maybe he would agree to extend his contract as – you know, like cameos or maybe half appearances moving forward if they let him start directing some TV episodes or yeah. something like that. Anything's possible. You know, yeah. I got to tell you, and this is all, you know, after the fact, of course, and, and whatever, but he always, at that New York Comic Con, Russ, where we saw the first, you know, where we saw that Avengers panel yeah, way before the movie was released, he just didn't look like he was into it. No, no, not at all. Yeah. And I think that guy has regretted, like, the number of pictures that he signed on before since the beginning. He was just like, look at the room of idiots that I'm in. (laughs) Like, he didn't didn't embrace the whole geek cult. Like, you know, Clark Gregg smiling ear to ear. You know, uh, Ruffalo loving it. Tom Hiddleston dressed up as Loki in Hall H. Right, and, yeah. and, and, and uh, what's his name? Robert Downey uh, Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Yep. coming down the aisle with the gauntlet on. Uh-huh. I mean, but Chris Evans, baseball hat on, head in hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. barely wanting to be involved in any of it. And that's always sort of been in the back of my mind when I – and I don't think he's mailing in any of the performances. I think he's been great. But I think he would gladly be out at any time. Yeah, I get that. I get that impression as well. I, I yeah, yeah. A couple couple things. One, because we're a day at this point, two days away from the finale, they put as in typical fashion the opening tag, I'll call it, or the cold open uh, online, and it's at the Cybertech facility, and this Zoller character uh, is actually there, and it's kind of cool because it takes place. It's almost like this is what was going on in Cybertech right as Coulson was getting ready to open that that secret door. So they're in the middle of like showing the new guy around and telling him, "Oh, you'll be assigned a unit at some point and you'll yeah. sit in this thing and you'll do your, you know, you'll do whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing yep. uh with your unit." Um and at that moment like the alarm bells go off and everything and they realize that uh uh that Coulson they're, they're on to Coulson's team and so it kind of shows them you know, basically, this guy is like the ringleader of this this group of programmers or whatever that's that each has a deathlock unit. It's like, okay, people, this is you know showtime or whatever, and and then they cut to the to the shield logo. But yeah, but they say like you know these guys, we really don't like these guys, and it's it's like yeah. said, Colson's team. So yeah, um, so that's that's what that was. There, each one of them has a a deathlock soldier that they're the ones typing in the computer to see in the eye the whole deal, right? Right. Is that where right. we believe? Because the, yeah. the the thing that jumped out with me with that one was. Hey, it's a cybertech facility, but they have computers. What's up with that? <laughs> I guess they have to have a few. Um, and the second one is they've been doing this. Um, I guess you call it the art of Agents of Shield or or whatever it is. So it, so since I guess the after the Cap episode, they've been doing every week. They've been they've been commissioning another artist to do these. I call them these Mondo style posters because that's what that's what they they seem like to me. If you're familiar with the Mondo Gallery. Uh, that does these cool uh, 
really stylized versions of movie posters that are usually limited run, very hard to get. Um, which I got a notification, by the way, that my Captain America the Winter Soldier po- poster is ready for me to pick up tomorrow. Um, yes. Uh, anyway, uh, but the one they're doing for the, the last episode, for the beginning of the end, is really cool. I mean, this the, I think this one may be my favorite so far. And it's, it's, uh, it's all done in black, white, and red. And it's it's the the shield logo, the huge shield logo that's kind of shattered and, you know, pieces falling. And behind it is the red Hydra logo. And on the front, it's the it's the cast, you know, kind of front and center. Ward, Sky, Coulson, May, Fitz and Simmons. And it just says Marvel Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's a really cool looking poster. I mean, you could you could Google it. It's on uh, uh, Entertainment Weekly's website, but it looks pretty cool. I haven't really felt like buying off on any of these uh but this one i might actually pick up because it, it's really kind of cool looking very good that's all i got all right so uh we made it barely we pulled it together last minute but uh we'll be back for the big finale look forward Indeed. to talking to you guys about it sounds right. good sounds good all right good night, good night.